This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for joining us once again for our study through the book of Hebrews. Uh, Last time, we made it through verse 2 of chapter 1. This time, we're only going to make it through verse 3. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and tell you, we're we're aiming high tonight. Yeah, yeah. We're aiming high. We are only going to do one verse. That's right. That's right. One verse. But in this verse, man, there is so much packed within this verse. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's crazy. It, I mean, this just goes to show, uh, that the beauty of scripture is something that, um, you know, a child can understand, but it is something that the sharpest mind will never plumb the depths of. Mm -hmm. And, and, and this verse right here in Hebrews chapter one just shows that. And I was uh, reminded yesterday by reading uh, A.W. Pink, The Attributes of God. There it is right there. Nice. Uh, Martin Luther said uh, to Erasmus, uh, quote, your thoughts of God are too human, period, close quote. And, uh, and, and A.W. Pink goes on to say that, that uh, it's, quote, uh, countless thousands, even among professing to be Christians, the God of the scriptures is quite unknown, mm-hmm. period, close quote. Um, and uh, and so I can honestly say that as 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 I dove into this, I mean, there were there were aspects of just what is found in this verse that I was just like, I've never thought about it in that way. Right. I've yeah. never thought, Same. and and we'll, we'll get there. And and the last uh, quote that I read from Pink, just uh, right now, anyway, because there's, there's two more that I had, but. Uh, and this is something for us to remember, uh, quote, the God, and I put that in air quotes in little G, uh, in the book, the God of the 20, this 20th century, no more resembles the supreme sovereign of holy writ than does the dim flickering of a candle, the glory of the midday sun, the God again, in quotations is now talked about in, in, in the average pulpit 
spoken of in the ordinary Sunday school, mentioned in much of the religious literature of the day, and preached in most of the so-called Bible conferences, is the figment of human imagination and invention of maudlin sentimentality. The heathen outside of the pale of Christendom forms gods out of wood and stone, while the millions of heathen inside Christendom manufacture a god out of their own carnal mind. In reality, they are but atheists, for there is no possible alternative between an absolute supreme god and no god at all. A god whose will is resisted, whose designs are frustrated, whose purpose is checkmated, possess no title to deity, and so far from being a fit object of worship, merits not but contempt, period, close quote. Mm. I know that was a long quote, but wow, it's very, very true. And, uh, and all of us have been there. We've all had those moments where our view of who God is is not is not found in in the holy writ of sovereign scripture is you know i would says. i would go as far as to say that our view we we take that view maybe a couple times a week right how often in our own thoughts of god when we're going through a struggle when we're going through something do we think of god only a little bit bigger than ourselves or yeah. or or we downplay the sovereignty of god and our problems and and think you know, well, maybe God, you know, can't handle this problem of mine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we absolutely do. And we just don't, uh, I mean, especially in the 21st century, you know, this was written in the 20th century. Uh, A.W. Pink lived uh, from 1886 to 1952. Uh, you know, you stop and think about um, really in the 21st century, do we really stop and uh, as he said, uh, prolifically meditate on on the Word of God and the character of God and the attributes of who God is. And of course, again, that answer for all of us is is we could do better. Yes. Um, you know, and, and and what's interesting about this time that we're in, you know, we're recording this, uh, you know, March seventeenth of twenty twenty, and in the midst of uh, the spread of of COVID, the COVID nineteen virus and schools and governments being shut down and restaurants and bars and uh, closing and, and uh, business hours affected. Um, you know, people are at home and, and not knowing what to do with themselves. And as, as uh, Albert Moeller pointed out on the briefing, there are multiple books to be read. You have a whole book of the Bible that is needed to be studied. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, and think about this, think about because of the culture we live in, how many of those people are going to forego reading scripture and they're going to binge watch Netflix. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, I was listening to the, uh, to the, the sermon that I, uh, that, that I, I gave last year and I, and I, and I put that on there, you know, when we were on the way to, to Shepherd's Conference 2019 on the, I said that in there, you know, on the way out <laughs> right, there, right. Drew, you were sitting next to me. Yeah. I was, you were listening to wretched radio and, and I was watching Netflix. Um, <laughs> And both of us were just kind of like, on the plane ride back, we need to change that up a little bit. <laughs> just in case you want to know who the more holy one is, I was listening to the Christian podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I was watching uh, The Punisher. <laughs> so. But we did. The, the thing about, you know, especially going to 
going to shepherds was the conviction that we had coming back. Um, our view of ministry, I believe grew, uh, and that, and that affected, uh, how we, how we approach things from, from that point out. So on the plane ride back, it was, you know, reading of books that we had obtained at that shepherds conference or, or digging into scripture or things like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's uh, so, so all of that being said, uh, that, that, that's kind of leading us into uh, our conversation around uh, Hebrews 1, 3. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that verse, I'm going to read it with verse four because it's one sentence. Right. Um, and then, but we're, we're going to spend some time uh, unpacking, uh, unpacking verse three. So uh, man, why don't you pray for us before we do that? Cause we're yeah. going to dive into the word and then we'll, uh, and then we'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together. We can dig into your word and we can pull out what it is that you're revealing to us through your holy word, Father. Uh, Engage our hearts, engage our minds. Uh, Help us to know that your scriptures are sufficient. Amen. They are sufficient. They are all that we need to know you, know about you, know what you expect of us. Uh, and, and, and they are our guide into living that out for your glory, Father. So as we take this time to dive into your scriptures, Father, we ask that, um, you know, you would not, uh, uh, your word would not go void as we read it and as we dissect it for whoever listens to this. But uh, hearts would be changed, minds would be changed, uh, our, our, our understanding would grow and that we would come out a, a stronger people that desire your word and desire mm. to seek after you evermore. Uh, yeah. So we ask that you would do a work in this right now uh, as we seek to handle your word with care, Father, with absolute care um, and be with us now as we as we begin to dissect this verse we love you we thank you and we praise you amen amen thanks bud yeah uh so hebrews 1 3 says this and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he inherited a more excellent name than they. Hmm. The infallible, inerrant, and completely sufficient word of God. So that, uh, I think, you know, we established last time, obviously, that the first thing to point out there is the he that we see is Jesus Christ. And uh, remember, all, all that we discuss tonight uh, will be in light of um, in light of Hebrews 13, verse 8. Chapter 13, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as we, we pointed out uh, last time, and as we have pointed out, if you have listened to any of our recent episodes of the Matter of Theology podcast, you have heard us talk about the, 
the person, nature, and work of Jesus. And the fact that Jesus Christ is truly and fully God, he is truly and fully man, uh, that he did not cease being God when he came to this earth, um, though that the, that the incarnation is extremely important. Um, and the, uh, if Jesus is not truly and fully man, as well as truly and fully God, then salvation is not found in Christ and Christ alone. So we have to remember that. And just a, a brief recap of last time, uh, when we dug into Hebrews together, we talked about, you know, verse one in context here, Paul is writing to Jewish believers and unbelievers, but mostly to Jewish believers that, uh, that God, after he had spoken, I'm just going to read verses one and two again, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world uh, that creation is a trinitarian work that christ is called the heir of all things as we're digging into this tonight you're going to hear us talk about the fact that jesus christ uh, is the firstborn of all creation as colossians tells us and that just gives status to who he is that is not saying that he is a created being at all that is not what that means Jesus Christ is the second member of the Trinity. Uh, he is the same being and substance as God the Father and God the Spirit, um, and but a distinct person, right? Same substance, same being, three persons. That, that is one of the simple ways you can describe the Trinity. So as, as we dig in, uh, you know, the first thing that we notice is the writer of Hebrews um, says that, and he, again, being Christ, it's capitalized in the New American Standard, which is why you should read the New American Standard Bible. Um, so, but of course, we, we, we also are okay with other translations, just not the Passion Translation, because that's not Scripture or the message. Just saying. Um, he is the radiance of his glory. So the word radiance there is uh, in, in the Greek, it literally means to send forth light, a light beaming from a luminous body. And other translations will say that he is the brightness. That was a fun sound. Uh, that, that he is the brightness, um, the, the, the brightness of his glory. So, pushing pause here because... I've been talking very slow and I can no longer just keep rambling on. So if Drew releases this video, you're just going to see me sitting here going, do, 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 do. All right. I see Drew's Pelican pen there. It's like his Allen. Cause he probably has his preacher's Bible handy size right there. A microwave. There's my pen. We can narrate. He went to check on Brandy. He's such a good guy. 
He's such a good guy. Dooby dooby doo. Dooby 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 doo. Excuse me. All teaching series are now free to stream from Ligonier. Well, that's cool. Dr. Steve Lawson just tweeted, in every storm, the Lord draws near to us. He is never any closer than when we need him the most. Oh, did you stop? I did. I was talking very slow and I didn't want to really get into radiance without you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, where I got, and you'll have to, I mean, you'll have to go back and listen to it. Uh, yeah. and then I just started making silly noises and clicking my pen and reading Twitter. Um, out loud. I was reading Twitter out loud. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so I just said that, that, uh, the word radiance there, other translations translated as brightness. I talked about the he being Jesus Christ. I recapped mm -hmm. last time. Uh, said that Jesus, we have to remember that Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. uh, talked about him being truly and fully God and truly and fully man again and recap what we talked about in the Christology episode briefly. And then I got into radiance, meaning to send forth light, a light beaming from a luminous body. And there are other mm -hmm. translations that say brightness. Mm -hmm. And then I said, so, and then stopped. So, well, first, let's, uh, let's kind of break down the particulars of this verse. Um, so this verse can actually be divided into three different parts. So the first part that we can divide uh, is, is the declaration of what Christ is, right? This, this talks about his nature, what he is. The second part deals with what Christ does and what Christ did. And then the third part deals with the consequence or uh, what we would say Christ's enjoyment, the consequence of what he did because of what he does and what he did. Now he has an enjoyment from that. So now the, the first part, the declaring of what Christ is getting into verse three and he is the radiance right. of his glory. So, so the radiance of whose glory, the radiance of the father's glory. That's right. And, and this talks about, again, the nature of Christ. Um, now as the radiance of his glory, he is the expression of the divine nature. This speaks to the homoousios, the same essence, uh, right. nature of Christ to the father. So, if, if you think back to the Nicene Creed, Christ is God of God. He is light of light. So he is very God of very God. Uh, Christ is the same essence as the Father. He is in every way like the Father in respect to his person. 
Right. That's and it's crucial to remember. Uh, and one of the pictures that you find when you really dig into different uh, different commentaries and conversations about this verse and. Uh, Drew and I read different commentators, but they all came around the same picture of the sun mm-hmm. and brightness that comes from the sun, the sun's beams. And it, it's a great picture for us mm-hmm. because Christ Jesus represents and is the manifestation of God to us. And remember, no one can see God. God is infinitely brighter than the sun. Mm-hmm. We could not, as a planet, be any closer to the sun and still have life on this planet. We right. need the sun's rays, okay, to to l- give light and, and to warm the earth. In the same way, Jesus Christ is the radiance, the brightness, the sending forth of light of the glory of God the Father shining into the hearts of men. That's right. Go ahead. That's right. So now also in this verse, we also see the three offices of Messiah. We also right. see uh, Christ as prophet, priest, and king. And mm-hmm. in dealing with the radiance, Christ being the radiance of the Father's glory, we see that uh, office of prophet, where, where Christ being the radiance of the Father is revealing the father he is he is revealing the father's will as he came as a prophet so now going back to that analogy as the sun uh, 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 talking about the sun and the sun's beams um because i read a lot of of the puritan john owen and you, you know the thing about the sun and we have to be very careful when we make this analogy correct because uh we we don't want to fall into uh arianism where it says that the, the sun is a creation of the father. And Correct. Just, just like the beams would be a creation of the sun. We don't want to confuse the two. We want, well, when we talk about this analogy, right? That's all it is. It's an analogy to demonstrate the radiance, that which comes forth. Uh, one comes forth from the other. So when we see the beams, we see the beams radiate from the sun. They are the brightness of the sun. Yeah, remember that the the sun's rays cannot be separate from the sun. We don't have the sun's rays without the sun. It's Mm -hmm. it's of the same substance as Drew, as you said. And Mm -hmm. it's never been and could not be separated from its warmth and brightness in the same way God has Mm -hmm. never been and could never be without the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. You can't separate the two. And Christ himself in John 10, I and Mm -hmm. the Father are one. Right. One in and of the same. So, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so the beams make the sun known and the beams do not exist apart from the sun. So because you have the beams, you have the sun. And likewise, because you have the sun, you have the beams which come forth from the sun. So the glory of God shines from the sun, shines through from the sun, which is Christ. That's right. That's right. You know, and a, a few cross references there about the substance and the nature of God is, you know, John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word is capitalized. That's the living Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you flip over to John 5, uh, in verse 17, you see, uh, but he answered to them, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. Uh, you see that that interwoven together. John 8, uh, in verse 42, uh, says, Jesus said to them, uh, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. 
for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I really, really enjoy this, this picture of, of the light. Um, because as, as Dr. John MacArthur says in, in his commentary on the book of Hebrews, he says, quote, we would never be able to see or enjoy God's light if we did not have Jesus to look at, period, close quote. You know, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So here's why that's important from an application standpoint. Look at today. We live in dark times, times that need his light. And Christ shines his light into our hearts and in turn gives us the ability, the command, and the strength to shine his light into this dark, disease-filled, failure-ridden, separation, violent, death-filled world. Um, and, and, and we see that in Matthew 5 when he talks about who we are. Um, and, and a key here this is without the bright radiance of the sun, the second member of the Trinity who shines the light of the glory and the grace of God, there would only be darkness. Mm-hmm. So, oh, A.W. Pink said Christ is the irradiation of God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that just, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, oh. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things is that, that that's very uh, necessary of Christ, especially as it pertains to his role as prophet, the making known of the Father. That's right. The, or, or what we would say is the exegeting, the explaining of the Father. So God is, the fullness of God is incomprehensible. But through Jesus being that radiance of the Father, there are portions that we can grasp and that we can yeah. understand. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, again, I mean, w- w- without without Christ, there would only be darkness. We would That's know, true. we would know that there's a Creator. Romans one says that through the creation, uh, everybody knows. So we're that without excuse. Mm-hmm. But without the living Word and the written Word, mm-hmm. yeah, there would only be darkness. Right. Right. So we, you, you know, we have. Why do men stay in in the darkness? because they love their sin and they don't want their sin exposed because the light exposes sin. Well, if we did not have Christ coming, we would not know uh, about the, the sinfulness of our sin. And this ties directly into um, special revelation because yeah. as, as what, what is it? Verse two that we talked about Yep. in these last days. Yeah. Uh, he has uh, spoken through his son. He has spoken through his son. We know about these things because Christ came and Christ spoke them. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, and taking that a step further, you think of Second Corinthians 4. Uh, Paul says that, uh, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may, might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then Paul goes on to say, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ, Christ Jesus is Lord, uh, as our, and ourselves as your bondservants 
that's a whole other conversation <laughs> for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out, uh, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the capital light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Mm. Mm. So one of the purposes of salvation and sanctification and the fact that we remain here after salvation to complete the great commission that we find in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 is we are to proclaim and also radiate his light to this world in word and in deed. Mm-hmm. We've received his light and are to shine his light. So that's man. right. The, the, I mean, that's that light that, that we have received that we are not to, to put, uh, that, w- that we're not to cover. We're not to hide it, right? Correct. We don't put it under a shade, right? right. It's to right. shine for Matthew 5, yeah. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yes. So now we've got Christ That's as five words in, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that in five words. But so we've got Christ as the radiance, speaking about his nature. And then we move into the declaration of what Christ does and what Christ did. Now, this speaks of his role. Now, because of his nature, he has a specific role role to fulfill well i'm gonna back up okay because i want to talk about the exact representation of his nature okay okay because yeah. there yeah, are yeah, some yeah. there are yeah. some crucial things here so and, and we've said this already jesus christ is the same substance as the father right mm-hmm. so the word is exact represent the, the phrase exact representation in the greek is literally the word character so what that means is that's that's a stamp or an impress okay to to engrave all right so mm-hmm. aw pink says this uh he, he said quote the old testament saints did not perfectly express god nor can angels for they are but finite creatures but christ being himself being himself god could and did now that's key because all that God is, his, his attributes, all of them are perfectly, absolutely, and wholly manifested in all three members of the Trinitarian Godhead. Now, mm-hmm. this is a difficult concept to comprehend and even harder to explain. Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image mm-hmm. of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. Okay, the word image there in the Greek is where we get the word icon. It's an exact copy, an exact reproduction. Colossians 2.9, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And now we have, we have, we have to get, grasp that. And it's always been that way. Always. That's right. Always been that way. He never, ever stopped being truly and fully God, full deity. And, and, and we have to, I mean, and, and something that blows my mind, we've been talking about the radiance, right? The, mm-hmm. of the, the, the substance and the sum of the glory of God. Any knowledge that we have of who Christ is, true saving knowledge, any light of God must and only comes from him. We can't locate it. We can't, we can't seek it out on our own. 
So th that means, you know, stuff like the Trinity had no beginning. Yet he's called, we, we see that, that Jesus is called the firstborn of all creation. Hmm. But as I stated, I said this while you stepped away, that, that's, that's talking about, that, that's not saying he was a created being. Right, that's his preeminence. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So now how, how staggering is this thought? And, and so when we think, think about exact representation again, the impress, the seal, right? So whenever in the medieval times and whenever that people used to write letters, they would seal them in wax and they would have like a signet ring that would have the seal of whatever family that person belonged to. And they would press that ring or whatever it was, that stamp into the wax to create this seal, okay? Now, we've never seen the stamp, We've only seen the impress of the seal. Right. So think about this. And from that majestic impress, we have been graced to have be able to have seen and beheld the very glory of the creator God. All of his divine perfections have always been in the person of Christ. And remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So think about that. We have only seen the impress. We haven't even seen the actual, the actual seal. That's right. That's right. You, I mean, you can talk about it like a, a, a cube. Okay. Right. So, so you've got a cube. Well, if you shine a light on the back of that cube on the wall, what will you get? You'll get a square, right? All we see is the square. That's right. That is being and that square is glorious and it's glorious. That's right. But that, that square is being illuminated by the light that is connected to, that is the representation of the cube that it, that, that it comes forth from, that, that it reveals. But now this exact representation, right? This is the, the hypostasis right. of the Father and the Son. And, and, and you've talked about it. That which the Father has and does, the Son has and does. That's right. Now this is necessary. It's necessary. Otherwise, the Father could not be fully satisfied in the work of the Son. That's right. Nor, That's right. nor could the Son be the representation of the Father. Yeah. So, so because the Son, Christ, so because He is everything that the Father is and does everything that the Father does, He is therefore able to be satisfied by the Father. Be able to be the satisfaction of the father and he is also worthy and honorable mm -hmm. to be the representation of the father and, and guys i mean if you've if you've ever listened to any of our matter of theology podcasts well what do we always say go to the word go to the word go to the word and this is why and, and this is one of the things i thought about for me even uh as much as i i try to stay in the word this is why prolonged focus and proper meditation on the Word of God is so important. Uh, the, think about what we're saying. The, the invisible God becoming visible. The infinite becoming, as A.W. Pink says in his commentary, he says, cognizable to the finite. Mm -hmm. So that is, man, it is just, it really is mind-blowing. And again, that's just a few verses and a few words yeah. into yeah. one verse. And that, re that, that representation also reveals the office of king. Oh, amen. Oh, come on, man. 
that representation. So we, so oh, in that on. first part of the verse, we have his, the office of prophet and we have the office of king already That's revealed. Right. That's right. That's right. Right. So, well, and, and really what we're about to get into really shows his kingship. That's right. That's right. And yeah. the upholding, right? Well, next, well, well let's say in, in these next parts of the verse, you see both the kingship and you see the priestlyhood correct, correct. of him yep. as well. Yep. Yep. So, so, move, so now we're moving along from the nature of Christ now into his role. All right. And now this ties directly back into verse two with Christ being the heir. So, right. so we went from Christ as the radiance of the glory of the father. He is the exact representation of his nature and he upholds all mm, things. Now in on. this verse, man, in this verse, we can break this, th this part of the verse down to two sections. All right. It's a, a, what he does and then how he does it. There's actually two things he does um, when we get into purification of sin. So what he does and how he does it. So what does he yep. do? He upholds all things. And how does he do it? By the power of his word. Now, this, this word uphold in the Greek, pharon, means to carry or to bear. This, purposefully. Purposefully. Now, this, th this upholding also refers to his ruling authority. And now and, keep in mind this. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but keep, keep this in mind. Nowhere in the, the whole of Scripture does God assign or delegate to any actual creature right. the task of creating, making worlds, sustaining worlds, or upholding anything. Remember That's that. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. So now Jesus, okay, is the one carrying and bearing all of existence, from 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 its foundation from its beginning and he is carrying it all the way through to its completion and notice how you just said what how, what tense is that verb it's present active he is carry, currently carrying it correct that's right so now now you sent me a quote the other day from pink that had to do with christ being the heir as it pertains to this part of the verse i think you should read it I don't have it. I think you should read it. Oh, crap. Hang on. <laughs> you sent it to me. <laughs> I mean, I could probably pull it up super quick. Hang on. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Quote, the term heir connotes two things, dignity and dominion. In the opening clauses of verse three, the dignity of the mediator is set forth. Here, it is his dominion which is brought before us as it was said that he is appointed heir of all things. So are we now told that he upholds all things, all things that are visible or invisible in heaven or earth or under the earth, all things, not only creatures, but all events, close quote. That's right. And we can connect this back Ooh. to Colossians 1.17, where Come it on, talks baby. about in him, in Christ, in the nature and being and role and purpose of Christ, all things. Um, okay, all things. And let me say that again, just in case you didn't catch it. All things means? All things hold together. 
And can you, all, all creatures, all events, and, 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 and get ready for this, it's effortless That's right. by the word of his power. That's right. Psalm 33 even, says he breathes stars into existence. That's right. And even while he was incarnate here on earth, in his death, burial, and resurrection, he continued to hold and uphold all things. Come on, man. What if he didn't? What if he relinquished that power? Can you then imagine he, what would happen? Can you what, imagine what would happen to life in this universe? That, yeah, it, w- it would all come tumbling down because at that moment, he would cease to be God. Exactly. Exactly. So, and this is another and, reason for... And he would not be worthy of worship. Preach. Come on. Another reason for sharing that, that light with everyone and his power and, and why, just like I read that, that you know, that, that big, that, the couple of the quotes, uh, you know, the one from Luther, uh, your thoughts of God are too human, uh, to, the countless, uh, uh, to the countless thousands, even among professing Christians, the God of the scriptures is unknown, or we have created these, these gods because of, in my opinion, lazy mm-hmm. uh, uh, preaching and, and shepherding by, by pastors and, and, and churches. You know, we need to remember that there are people operating as if he's not there or can't do this or doesn't care. Now, that, of course, doesn't change the fact that he is the Lord of all. And as John 17, 2 says, he's been given all power over flesh. Everything is in his power, Jesus Christ, and subservient to the living word. Mm -hmm. That's extremely important. And, And especially today, again... Quote, sickness and disease fled before his command. Demons were and are subject to his authoritative bidding. Even the dead came forth in response to his mighty fiat. And though the ages, and and throughout, sorry, not though, and throughout the ages today, the whole creation is directed by the will and the word of its heir, maker, and upholder. Period, close quote, A.W. Pink. And we see that. In Jude, verses 24 and 25, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now think about this, because you said it, we oftentimes come up with a small God because we're lazy. We're lazy in our study. We're lazy in our thoughts of God. Christ, before his ascension, after his resurrection, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Mm -hmm. he doesn't just send the disciples out. He doesn't just say, okay, go make disciples. He doesn't even just say, go baptize. That's right. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. So why do we go? We go because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. The problem is we don't believe when we go out that Christ has all authority. Our view of God is far too small. Well, it is, and 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 I would say this. Uh, you know, one one of the reasons that we we find that is 
How many times, and I, and I kind of alluded to it in, that, uh, in, that, in that, that longer pink quote, but we've invented, we've manufactured a, a little God out of our own carnal minds. And, and ultimately, you have, you have you know, pastors and, 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 and preachers who, whenever they're sharing the gospel, they're, they're uh, you know, saying that, that God won't invade your will. Yeah, yeah God is subject they, to you. Yeah, and so I'm going to read another quote here that I wasn't planning on reading by Pink. He says, quote, they lower the all efficacious, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't say that all of a sudden. My brain's moving faster than my mouth. Quote, they lower the all efficacious atonement, which has actually redeemed everyone for whom it was made to a mere, quote, remedy, close quote, which is sin, which sin sick souls may use if they feel disposed to, and to invenerate the invincible work of the Holy Spirit to an offer of the gospel, which sinners may accept or reject as they please. Period. Close quote. Yeah, yeah. And God. so you have that is that is. But what's the word I'm looking for? That's castrating. That's a strong word. Mm-hmm. That's castrating the gospel and the power. Yeah. of the Holy Spirit saying that, that, that God's not going to overcome your will. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is not at all what scripture teaches that that is not a God worthy of worship. That's right. Yeah. The that's one, a, one who can't that, overcome the will of his own creation. That's right. That that's a God that has no power unless his creation allows him to have power. He is the potter. We are the clay, you know, and, and, and in his hands, we will either be molded into vessels of honor or, or, smashed into pieces as psalm 2 says and and as vessels of destruction you know what and that's why preachers pastors that's why you can take to the pulpit with the unadulterated word of god and you can have assurance that it will not return void you don't need gimmicks you don't need normative principle garbage okay you can come with the word of God and you can have complete and total assurance that it will not return void. Someone's coming out of there saved. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Mm -hmm. So he upholds all things. He upholds all things. So we got what he did or what that's, that's actually what he does. He is upholding all things right now by the word of his power that the the divine power present active yep present active and we see that is uh the the efficaciousness of god's providence within there what he did was he made purification of sins that's right that's right man other translations say uh, when he had by himself purged mm-hmm. our sins. And that's, right. and this, that's, that's my how did he do it by himself. Uh, exactly. And, and please hear what I'm about to say. Speaking stars into existence, I can't fathom. Hmm. Literally upholding, producing purposefully all of creation. Scientists say that the universe still expands today is an incredible feat, but there is something that is infinitely more amazing than anything else we have ever discussed when it comes to the works, the person and work of Jesus Christ, and that is that he has made the purification 
and purged us, those of the elect, our sin. Mm-hmm. So A.W. Pink said this, quote, The putting away of the sins of his people was an even greater and grander work than the making of the worlds and the upholding of all things by his mighty power. His sacrifice for sins has brought greater glory to the glory of the, to the, of the Godhead and greater blessing to the redeemed than have his works of creation or providence, period, close quote. Mm. R.C. Sproul, Dr. R.C. Sproul said, the most remarkable characteristic about Jesus Christ is that he never sinned. And that that, that life of him never sinning has been draped over us, given to us, and he has taken upon himself our sin. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Man. we have. It, what we see in the purification of sins is we see the active obedience of Christ, him coming down, living out God's standard, God's law, living it out perfectly. Now think about this, okay? The whole law must be fulfilled perfectly. That's right. Christ's birth, when he was eight days old, it was required by law that he be circumcised. And he was circumcised. On the 40th day, he was to be presented in the temple. And he was presented in the temple. All right, these are, these are details that Luke gives in his account. Right. Now, they're not just, uh, these aren't just little frivolous details thrown in there, right? These are purposefully put in to show that even from Christ's birth, he fulfilled the law. Because if he were not circumcised, he would not be our Savior. If he were not presented in the temple, he would not be our Savior. Because those requirements of the law would not have been fulfilled. That's right. That's right. So, so even in that, when he was dependent upon mother and, and father to, to fulfill those requirements of the law, it happened. That's right. So That's we right. see the, we, the active obedience of Christ, which secures righteousness, holy, perfect righteousness. Yeah. And, and notice, you know, I, one of the, I, I'm a big verb guy. Um, and notice the verb tense he had made Mm -hmm. and that's in when he had by himself past tense. It is the completed and finished work Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. Couple cross references. First John one, seven acts 20, 28. He has purchased his people and his church by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. His blood was the sacrifice needed. His perfect blood. Romans tells us that we are saved, and we and Drew, you mentioned this earlier, by the wrath of God from God mm-hmm. through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and later in Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews speaks to the all-sufficient sacrifice of the Son versus those sacrifices in the Old Testament. That's Hebrews 9. So, I mean, we, we, we could talk about the, the purification of sins, the purging of sins for... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's really the heart of the gospel. Absolutely. And it, so we have so in his his act of obedience. I mean, this is necessary for our righteousness because in order for us to be righteous, we have no righteousness of our own. So we have to obtain a righteousness, an alien righteousness that is not our own. Right. We have to That's be right. covered in it because it's not enough for us to just get back to zero. 
If we That's get right. back to zero and the debt is canceled, well, we still go to hell because we need a positive righteousness. We need That's positive right. accreditation. And we only get that from Christ's sinless life. Now, in the purification of sin, we not only have the active obedience, we have the passive obedience. This is Christ going to the cross. Now, uh, I, I know the idea of passive obedience um, isn't something that he actively did, right? The idea of passive means it wasn't, wasn't of him actively, but truly it was because Titus 2.14 says Christ gave himself. But now remember, right, the purification of sin. How is it, how is it achieved? How is it done? It's done by himself, by Christ himself. But that's not to say Christ is not acting independently from the Father or from the Godhead. This was something that was established before the foundation of the world. How do we know that? Because Christ is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So right. this was something that was agreed upon in the Godhead, and Christ gave of himself. He came down on his own accord in order to do what? To fulfill the Father's will to right. reconcile sinful man back to a holy God. John 5, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. right. That's right. First uh, Peter, Peter 1, 18 and 19. Uh, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That's right. That's right. And in this, what we see is we see, we've already seen Christ's office as, as prophet, Christ's office as king. This is Christ's office as priest. He is atoning for our sins. There is no more uh, sacrifice left to be made. All right. That's, that's, right. that's Hebrews uh, 10, 12. Um, he is our high priest. And now what we're going to get into, because it's not just, he, he's, he didn't just intercede for us. He is interceding for us currently. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Which gets into the act of Christ sitting down at the right hand of the Father. That's right. He now sat this is down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now this is what we would say is the consequence of what he what he does. This is the That's consequence right. of right. That's right. That's right. Good call. Meaning it is Christ's enjoyment. He sat down. Right. And what what does that what kind of peace and hope does that give our souls? That's right. That's right. Because we can't we can't think about him sitting without thinking about what he's done to get to the place where he is. That's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He sits down. Why? Because the work he came to accomplish is complete. There's nothing left to add to the atonement. The work is finished. Right. So his, his sitting down indicates a couple of things. It indicates rest because it's, it's finished and it indicates a ruling position. Yeah. Because of where he is seated. Yes, yes, that's right. Well, now, nowhere in Scripture, by the way, do you see any other priest sitting down because their work is never done. It's never done. Okay, so uh, and, and, and uh, the writer of Hebrews gets into that, Hebrews 10, uh, verses 1 uh, and 3, and then again in verse 12. Um, and, and so that's important to remember. Christ's work is finished, John 19, 30. 
Um, and it is, it is continual and settled, um, meaning that, yes, and we're going to get into this a little bit more here in a second, but he is interceding for us, and he is ready because he will stand back up. That's right. And when he stands back up is when he comes again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, the, him sitting where he's seated at the right hand, this is high honor, high glory, mm-hmm. high power. Right. This, this is, is a position of authority. Yeah. That's right. On the power side. And the reason that it is, and the reason scripture points it out being the right side is because everywhere else in scripture, when something's at the right side of a king, it's typically a weapon. Okay. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. The book of Revelation. That also shows his authority. First uh, Peter 3.22 mentions that. Uh, Drew, you mentioned it. He's interceding for us, Romans 8.34. That's right. And now, yep. now to because to, uh, we should move into that, because yeah, this isn't yeah. just a, the seating isn't just a position of rest. Where he's seated isn't just a position of rule, but it's also an intermediary position. Correct, correct. Yeah, so Christ interceded for us, when he came to, to die in our place on our behalf, he is currently interceding for us now. John 17, the whole of John 17. That's right. right. And he will be in the future interceding for us. So we, we were saved, we are saved, and we are continually being saved by the continual uh, intercession of the Son to the Father. That's right. And just to read Romans 8, 34, it says, uh, uh, back up to 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Mm-hmm. That's right. Come on. That's right. Man. So the majesty on high, God himself, greatness majesty literally is greatness um above all uh flipping over to uh second peter very quickly there we go first peter i love indexed bibles you can flip a lot quicker second peter 116 says, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we, made no, uh, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Um, God is the supreme one, and Jesus is elevated here to the highest possible place. When, when scripture says on high, it can literally be translated to the highest height. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it cannot, it can't, you can't get any higher than that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, and then I had one more verse written down, Hebrews 10. I know I mentioned it earlier. I was just, just a reference. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Christ, our mediator, and Drew, you said it. He's our prophet. He's the living word, the the the, the last spokesman of God, uh, and continues to be. He is our priest. He has uh, paid for, and we have expiation and intercession. And he's the king, the creator, and the upholder of all things. That's right. Um, That's right. Man. man, this one verse, one verse alone. 
one verse. We see who Christ is, what he does, and the assurance that we have in him. Yeah. So uh, I thought I would, uh, man, wrap us up by reading a little Valley of Vision. Do it. Do it. Oh, God. Thy main plan and the end of thy will is to make Christ glorious and beloved in heaven, where he is now ascended, where one day all the elect will behold his glory and love and glorify him forever. Though here I love him but little, may this be my portion at last. In this world thou hast given me a beginning, one day it will be perfected in the realm above. Thou hast helped me to see and know Christ, though obscurely, to take him, receive him, to possess him, to love him, to bless him in my heart, mouth, and life. Let me study and stand for discipline in all the ways of worship, out of love for Christ, and to show my thankfulness, to seek and know his will from love, to hold it in love and daily to care for and keep this state of heart. Thou hast led me to place all my nature and happiness in oneness with Christ in having heart and mind centered only on him and being like him in communicating good to others. This is my heaven on earth. But I need the force, energy, impulses of thy spirit to carry me on the way to my Jerusalem. Here it is my duty to be as Christ in this world, to do what he would do, to live as he would live, to walk in love and meekness. Then he be known. Then would I have peace in death. Wow. Amen. Mm. I think that is a grand place for us to end verse three. Next time, uh, what do you, what, what do you, how far do you think we're going to get next time? Hang on, let me, let me open the handy back up. Man, I think we could do, we could do four through 14. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause we, I mean, we can try. I mean, it's all yeah. about Christ being greater than the angels. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of doctrine in there, mm-hmm. but, uh, we could try. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you guys plan on next time we dig into Hebrews verses four through 14. They're going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of old Testament Andy Stanley, but, uh, um, I know you don't like that. Uh, but there it is. It's, 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 it's in the word, man. It's in the word. The author, the author quotes it. So it must be necessary. It must be important. I, I mean, you know, we don't know exactly who wrote uh, Hebrews, but uh, we do know that the Holy Spirit did. That's right. So I would never want to be in the vicinity of someone saying that we don't need any portion of Holy Scripture. So that is absolutely correct. Just going to put that out. Especially there. if you listen to us, you should know better than to make some kind of claim like that because. We're all about the sufficiency of Scripture. Amen, brother. Yep. So with that, we're getting out of here. Goodbye. Later. Later.